your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. The Avs pull it out, an overtime victory, their first overtime game of the postseason, and they are undefeated thus far in the postseason. Six wins down, 10 more to go. What a game. Maybe the Avs didn't deserve to win it. I think some people are going to think that way. But in the end, a win is a win. But we're going to break it all down. Uh, but man, two to nothing right now. And uh, you got to feel good about that. That's all that really matters. So first things first, follow the show on social media outlets, Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche, Instagram, search for Lockdown Avalanche, and send any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. If you're Vegas, you have to be so defeated right now because you you played a great game. Game game one, throw it away. And if you listened to yesterday's episode with Carlo from Vegas, he, he said, you know, I kind of expected uh, to lose that game. Maybe not in that fashion, but they were coming off a tough series, not a lot of downtime, right back at it. And what happened happened, and I think uh, you know that that was the Avalanche took advantage of that. You knew it wasn't going to happen again, and what we got in Game Two is, I think, what you will get the rest of the way. It is going to be a dogfight. So you know the people that are out there thinking just because the Avalanche won seven to one in Game One, why were they not as dominant in this game? Well, Vegas had. Two days of rest, and for them, that is huge. And for Flurry, he even had more rest because he didn't play in game one. So you were you knew you were going to get a better effort from Vegas. And on top of everything else, you don't want to go down two to nothing. Yeah, you're you're playing on you know an opponent's home ice, but still you're you're out there. You want to split that. That's what you want to do if you're the visiting team coming in. And if you're the avalanche, clearly you're not expecting a seven to one repeat. And you know that Vegas is going to come out uh, gunning. And I almost the opposite happened. Colorado was the one to score first. It was kind of a, I don't want to say a gift goal, but it was definitely a, a missed shot by Brandon Saad. It kind of threw Flurry off his timing, and it somehow snuck right in. The first period was evenly played. Uh, I would even think the Avalanche probably outplayed them a little bit in the first period. The Avs were still up two to one at the end of the first. So obviously you're feeling good about that. You got a uh, Brandon Saad goal and then a Tyson Jost goal on the power play. And that was key because that was the third power play of the first period for the Avs. And up until Tyson Jost's goal, they roll for two, and you you need to start capitalizing on the power play. The Avs had six of them in game two. They did uh, take care of two of them. The second one was the overtime one by Miko Rantanen. So uh, you you need those if you're getting that many. 
two I'm okay with. Obviously, you know, you would love to have three and have that 50%, but that's not feasible game in and game out, especially against a good team like Vegas. But you got that power play goal by Jost, and then uh, Riley Smith tied it up in the second. Nothing in the third, but in the second and the third, it was it was Vegas controlling the pace of play. And the Avalanche were having a tough time getting shots on goal. It seemed like Vegas was in every single passing lane or shooting lane, I should say, uh, imaginable. The Avs just could not get anything through. And the, the those shots that you see Kale McCarr get through somehow were not getting through. Uh Kale McCarr had one shot on goal, and and not not that he's ever, you know, like uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon or, or Miko Rantanen or anything like that. We're you know getting six, seven, eight plus, but he, from the point because he you know he runs the power play, you expect him to have a few more. And I thought he played a rough game last night. I I Kale, I mean he he battles. Uh, but it just seemed like he struggled with the puck a little bit. He had some bad turnovers, but everybody did. Uh, Ryan Graves had some really, really bad turnovers. Uh, Connor Timmons had a couple bad turnovers. Burkowski had a couple bad turnovers. Like, everybody struggled, but everybody battled. And this is what you're going to get from Vegas. They're going to make you do that. So Vegas played they, from the second period, from the puck drop in the second period, Vegas had a different mindset. I, I don't know what they were doing in the first. Not that they were played bad in the first. Uh, you know, they competed and they were only down two to one, but it seemed like they're okay, we didn't let it get out of hand. Now let's kind of take over here. And that's exactly what they did. Colorado did everything in their power to to not let this game get out of hand. Uh shots on both ends maybe more leaning towards Vegas of hitting the posts, man, uh, that post got a workout <laughs> and on both sides, but especially in the third for Vegas. So there was a little bit of luck in this game. Uh, the, there were spots the Avalanche played well, namely in the first. And then the rest of the time, they, like I said, it's tough to say they were, they were hanging on. Uh, because it wasn't, you know, they were getting their opportunities. It doesn't look that way if you're looking at the shots on goal. They only had 25 shots on goal. But, you know, how many? Vegas had 28 blocks. You know, that that's a tremendous amount of blocks. So it wasn't like the Avalanche weren't getting looks. They were getting some good separation and, and getting some chances. But Vegas was just in the lanes. They found a way to get into the lanes. And you're going to get that. That is going to be this series. So the Avalanche, they need to figure something out in that regard. Sure. But, uh, you know, in the end, it's a win. Philip Grubauer played fantastic. Uh, I, for me, I think he's, he's the, the star of the game. And, uh, you know, on top of, you know, so, some guys did play, play well. And we're going to get to that here in a second. But you, the, the bottom line is you won. They're not all going to be pretty. And you, you, this is what happened in the last game of the season between these two teams that pretty much decided the President's Trophy. 
it was a battle for the Avalanche. They found a way to sneak out two goals and win it. And you're going to have to do that. And like I said, if you're Vegas, you have to be throwing your hands up thinking, what else do we have to do? We had 40, where's the stats here? 41 shots on goal. You know, you, you won the vast majority of the faceoffs, so you're getting, uh, you know, in, and especially in your own zone. So you're getting good chances right off of the faceoff. You're getting at least to set up your offense. Uh, but penalties hurt you if you're Vegas. So I think going into game three, Vegas is telling themselves, continue to play the D that we were, cut down on the penalties, and see what happens. If you're Colorado, uh, you feel like maybe you escaped with this one a little bit, but you also feel like you battled to win it. And what did I say, even with Carlo, how this is going to be a match a matchup of wits. Colorado came out in game one, did what they did. If you knew Vegas was going to come out, play a better game. Now, now Avalanche, even though they won, has to look at this and say, like, okay, what what did they do to control this game? And now you have to be the one to make adjustments. So we'll dig a little bit deeper into it. Uh, but first, we're going to hear from a couple of our sponsors for the day. And we're going to hear from rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. Also brought to you by Wealthfront. And investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. To get that first $5,000 managed for free, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings and get started today. All right. So what do we got? So yeah, did, did the Avalanche play a perfect game? By no means. But the the first period, uh, I think when you look back on it, you're, you know, I think Coach Benner is going to really kind of emphasize what the Avalanche did in the first. And that was attack and a lot of pressure and it might be tough to duplicate that because I think the Golden Knights figured out how to play Colorado defensively 
and they they completely flipped the script on how they played in defensively in the first period compared to the rest of the game. They got up on them much more uh, quickly. They again they took away the passing lanes, they took away the shooting lanes. They didn't give them a lot of time and space. It was a much better defensive game by Vegas uh, from the second period on. So what did the Avalanche need to do? I think they need to do more. They 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 tried to. The passing by the Avalanche was not crisp. So if you you need to get your zone exits a little bit more crisper and a little bit more controlled. They struggled a little bit to to get zone exits and get a full head of steam going through the neutral zone, getting into their own offensive zone. They didn't a couple times, you know, you had the Miko Rantanen breakaway which, you know, didn't end it, it ended up kind of ugly. Some people think it was a penalty. I don't uh, but you know you're gonna get a couple of those opportunities every game. You got to take advantage of them when you're not getting the licks, the the looks you typically get. So I think the Avalanche just they need to start from when they take possession of the puck moving forward. It's easier said than done because Vegas is on you. So you need to get the puck to your playmakers and let them do what they need to do for your zone exits get it to kale mccarr yes i know he's struggled to do that but you know typically that's not going to happen get it to your nathan mckinnons and your miko rantanens guys like that that are good at exiting the defensive zone and turning defense into offense they struggled to do that and i didn't look at the game flow on the uh, nhl.com website but i'm you know I'm just watching the game. It was probably heavily skewed towards Vegas. They did a good job possessing the puck. The Avalanche struggled to really get any sustained offensive momentum going. A couple times they were cycling the puck and they looked pretty good. Uh, but for the majority of the game, they struggled to get any real sustained offensive game going. And there were times where Vegas had the puck in, in almost every possession you felt like they had an opportunity to score. So they they had the Avalanche on their heels a little bit, but it wasn't, you know, the it wasn't like the Avalanche just said, you know, we we have to play this defensive game and just get the puck out of the zone and change lines and then go play defense again. Like they, they were trying, they were attempting to get good zone exits and Vegas just was having none of it. So when it went to overtime, uh, historically, Avalanche have not done well in overtime, um, whether it's during the regular season in your three-on-threes or even overtime in the playoffs. They seem to struggle, namely not that long ago against the Dallas Stars in Game 7. But you're at home. They ha- they've been incredible at home this season. And God, if, if it doesn't get you excited to see that crowd uh, go crazy, you, you have no feeling. <laughs> because that was, they got, I mean, it, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was luck to get the penalty because, or get it, go on the power play. It was a flat out penalty. And the refs didn't have their best day. And I don't like to sit here and just berate the refs, but there were, I mean, some blatant calls. Uh, the 
face-off where Gabe Laniscog took a uh, cross-check right to the face, and nobody saw that. And then a few minutes later, I think it was Burakovsky, got tripped right in front of the Avalanche bench. But, you know, it wasn't like there was a lot of players around it. It was pretty easy to see. No call. And then they do call one, which was a trip on, uh, I was against, who was it? Taves, right? Yeah, against Taves with like three minutes and change left. And you're like, oh, man, you know, is this how it's going to end? With a penalty with just over three minutes left to go in the third. But Grubauer was stellar in that third period, late in the third period when they had that to kill that penalty. He he was he was on his game. And you know, you I even said it with Carlo yesterday that yeah, he's he has a good defensive in front of, in front of him, so it makes it maybe a little bit easier for him. And there's been uh, you know, times where they've needed him to step up during the season and he's done it. And you know, game 2 was that because the Avs weren't on their best defensively, some really bad lapses. And again, I'm going to pick on Ryan Graves because the one goal given up, uh, who scored that one? I got to look it up quick. Was it Mar- the Martinez goal or the Smith goal? No, I think it was the, yeah, it was the Riley Smith goal. Just completely out of position. And it's one of those things where, you know, the, the puck is up against the boards. It was up against the boards on the bench side. And he's way, like, it's being taken care of by his teammates. And he kind of just drifted towards that, where the play was headed. And Riley Smith was, he got behind him. And Ryan Graves just doesn't have that speed to turn around, recognize his mistake, and catch up to him. If it was Kale McCarr, maybe a different story. But Ryan Graves is no Kale McCarr. And it was, you know, Riley Smith got... The drop on him, pretty play, nice stick handling, and, you know, he tied it. So you have moments like that. Uh, but so that was a tough one for Grubauer to handle. But other other than that, he, he was solid. And, you know, he, he needed a game like this because he's had it relatively easy. You know, the Avalanche are scoring at will, uh, and they haven't really needed to rely on him. And they needed to rely on him for game two and he definitely came through so now the series gets interesting we head back to vegas what can we expect there we'll talk about that after you hear from betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action you have baseball in full swing clearly our nhl is in the playoffs you have the nba in the playoffs Anything you want to bet on, including UFC and MMA, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, before the next puck drop, before the next slam dunk, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as your teams make their playoff runs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up. And when you do, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. It's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Before we 
get into what to expect for the rest of the series, maybe just game three. Um, I just want to remind everybody that on Thursday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, we will definitely be doing a lock. Because I know there's a lot of people that want to talk about this series, game two specifically. Uh, so join the locker room that is going to be Thursday night, 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain. You can join in uh, with me and with other Avalanche fans in the chat room. Download the locker room app and uh, you'll be notified when the room goes live. So it's going to be a fun one. So that's going to be Thursday night. So what to expect now? More of the same. Like I said in the beginning, you, you're you, this, this is the series that everybody thought it was going to be. And you can go back to that. I said it before, that last game of the season between the two of them. Avalanche had to finish out against uh, the Kings, but that game was telling on how this series is going to go. It's going to be a dogfight. Vegas is a physical team, and they showed it yesterday. How many hits did they have? Getting to the stats. Relatively, no, it was even, almost. 21 hits from Vegas to 22 against the Avalanche. And if you saw it, you did notice a little bit of change in Vegas. Yeah, they're always going to be a physical team, but they weren't out. And I want to use the term headhunting, but I use it loosely. You know, and, you know, not having Ryan Reeves in there probably makes a difference. Carlo made a great point on how not having him in there kind of gives Golden Knight, the Golden Knights, a better opportunity to play their style of game. So he kind of takes them out of it. You don't have him there for the next couple games. Yeah, it's going to be a different game for you. They're still going to be aggressive. They're still going to be wanting to punish you up against the boards. But they they played a much smarter game yesterday, I thought Vegas did. A much tighter game, but a much smarter game. And a very good defensive game. And it just goes to show you, you don't have to go skating around, you know, looking to injure everybody to play a game. Play it heads up. And you're still in striking distance. And I think that's how Vegas is going to look at it. For the Avalanche, you know, you you want to play a better game overall. You will take the win. And I say it a million times, you never apologize for a win. You will take it. But that doesn't mean that there's not things that they have to improve on. And like I said in the in the second segment, it's all about puck possession. Uh, they struggled to possess the puck. And you have to credit the Knights for that. But the Avalanche have the playmakers to overcome that. Do you reconsider what you're doing on this fourth line for Colorado? You know, having two young guys with New Hook and Ranta. Ranta played a grand total of just shy of six minutes. Alex Newhook played just over six minutes. So that is incredibly telling about how, I guess... Not uh, what well, we, we've been saying all along that they have a lot of confidence in these guys. Uh, does that change anything? Do you bring in, you know, like Carl Soderberg in this situation? Because you know you can rely on him maybe a little bit more than you can with Ranta and Newhook. And I didn't, you know, the, the, the few minutes that they were both out there, they really didn't do much of anything. And you, you need that. You need them to. Sure, they're on the fourth line, but. Vegas has a very good fourth line. 
and I think maybe, maybe you see a change there. Maybe not so much with Newhook, because he got a, a tiny bit more experience than Ranta. But Ranta was thrown into a, a rough situation. His first game is, you know, game one of round two against Vegas. That's tough. Uh, I, he's not doing anything that, you know... if. You know, he's not doing anything that Ryan Graves is doing, like, you know, bad turnovers or anything like that. But if you're only getting six minutes out of both of those guys and you have the depth that you've been touting all year that you can slide in there and those guys can give you maybe double that time, why would you not do it? So I think that will be an interesting thing to see. And maybe Jared Bender will talk about it in the post game. I'm recording this right after the game is over so maybe he will address that going forward and even let's see guys Andre Burkowski only played over just over 12 minutes uh P.E. Belmar just over nine minutes and he's on that line with them uh let's see you know McKinnon 24 Landeskog 26 Ranton and 25 you're throwing those guys out there you know to try to win this game I get it that it's going to be skewed a little bit more Taves 27 plus, Makar almost 29, Gerard 22. Like a game like this, you're you're going to do that. It's going to be a little bit more skewed because you're you're trying to win this thing in regulation. Uh, you know, it's not you know, you don't want this to be a, a seven overtime seven period uh overtime game. So I don't know, maybe just something to to look at for game four going into Vegas, which is a tough place to play. And you know that they have 100% capacity there. So it's going to be tough. You want to take the crowd out of it as much as possible. That's going to be tough to do because you're going to expect this style of play and then some. Because Vegas didn't want to go down two to nothing. Now they are. They sure as hell don't want to go down three to nothing. So... Game three is going to be a fight. A, it's going to be probably, you know, they the use the term old school hockey all the time. I would almost venture to guess that's what you're going to get in game three. Vegas is going to play a smart game. They're not going to play stupid. They're not going to take dumb penalties. They could took a couple of them in this game. Uh, they're not going to do it because they, they need to play a smart game and have... Uh, all their guys available to them and they can't, you know look what the avalanche did on the power play even the ones that they didn't score on they still had some pretty good opportunities they easily could have scored on three even four of them vegas can't have that happen so it's gonna be a much smarter game and we'll see how it goes the abs can eke out another one they haven't lost yet let's keep that streak going that will be it for today everybody uh get a hold of me on social media or send me an email gmail.com and definitely uh, join in the locker room chat Thursday night, 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain. That'll be a fun one. That's it for today. Uh, the heart's got to stop racing, and I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight, but I'm going to try. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!